a Podcast One production. This is Global Truths with Dr. Keith Souter. In this episode, we're talking about the new Prime Minister of the UK, who is Boris Johnson. This guy is, well, I mean, he's just, he's colourful, Keith. Yes, he is. And I think that's the reason why, in the end, the Conservative Party membership decided to vote for him. Although it wasn't unanimous, he got two-thirds of the eligible vote. So um, it's not a, it, it was a, obviously a majority, but there are a third of the voters who figured he was a bit unsuitable for the job. So let me give some of the background to this. So um, the way the Conservative Party operates is that there are now two stages to electing a leader. So when I was growing up in Great Britain... There was no election at all. And it was said that the new leader would emerge. So it was mainly old men getting together and talking about whom they thought should be the next leader of the Conservative Party. So they then emerged. And then one of the grandees of the Conservative Party would then go to the king or or queen and say, this is the person whom we think should be the Conservative Party leader and therefore should also be prime minister. Now, that began to change uh, with Humphrey Barclay, an MP in the 1970s. And so Barclay said, well, we've got to have a more democratic system. So then it was all the Conservative members in Parliament who then got to vote. But not the membership, but just the ordinary people who are sitting in the building. What we've seen now in recent years has been to make a two-stage process. So you start off with a variety of names coming forward. So you basically, your friends can nominate you. They've got, obviously got to be uh, MPs. They nominate you. You then have a series of um, elections whereby they whittle down that initial field down to two names. And then those two names go out to all the Conservative Party membership. It's worth bearing in mind that Uh, This week, when we've had Boris Johnson elected, 159,000 people took part in the election. We're talking about Great Britain with a population of 65 million. 159,000. In David Cameron's day, there was a quarter of a million members of the Conservative Party. So the Conservative Party membership is actually declining. And basically, Conservative Party members are elderly, white homeowners principally in the south of England. So the, they don't really represent England in all of its diversity, uh, culturally, geographically, or in terms of finance, etc. They're all very different uh, from what the Conservative Party looks like, which is very narrow um, in, its, in its scope. So the two names were left as uh, Jeremy Hunt, who is the current Foreign Secretary, or was the Foreign Secretary, and Boris Johnson, who was the previous Foreign Secretary. And so they were the two names that went out to the voters and Boris Johnson uh, got two-thirds of the vote. So that's the background to it. Now, by way of background of Boris Johnson himself, so he's aged 55, as you say, is quite a character. After three years of a vicar's daughter, we've now gone to the other end of the spectrum and we've got a showman in the same uh, class, really, as Donald Trump. Another blonde showman. Mm. Um, So you've got... um, And it's interesting because um, uh, Alexander Boris de Feffel Johnson... Is this his father? No, that's him. That's that's his full name. (laughs) He, he, uh, at the age of seven, said he wanted to become king of the world. 
then his ambitions gradually came down to only becoming Prime Minister. So he was always an outstanding character, but he comes from an outstanding family. And it was a family in which you really had to work hard to stand out. And, of course, one of his siblings is a Member of Parliament in her own right as well. So what we've got then is with Boris Johnson, he goes to Eton, goes to Oxford, which is the standard career route for politicians, really. Eton, or at least a private school. Really relatable, Keith. Really relatable, <laughs> yep. Elite education, then on to Oxford for another elite education. The real, I was actually at, back at Oxford in 2010 at the time of the general election, and the argument from Brasenose College was, it's our turn now to produce the next Prime Minister. Hence, David Cameron becomes Prime Minister. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the way in which they operate. You've got to go through Oxford if you want to become Prime Minister. There's a huge number of universities in Britain, but only one disproportionately provides the Prime Ministers. Anyway... Johnson has a very colourful career at Oxford. He um, uh, becomes president of the union. He's a member of the Bullingdon Club, which is a group of uh, rich people who like to get drunk and smash the place up. It's a bit like something out of Brideshead Revisited, if you ever read that novel. He didn't study very hard, didn't get a particularly good degree, uh, but he had a good time. And he was, <laughs> uh, so it was a real character. So then he graduates from Oxford and then... Um, becomes a journalist. Obviously, his family's incredibly well-connected, so he doesn't bother with interviews or anything like that. He just becomes a journalist for The Times. Is sacked from The Times because he made up quotations. Oh, he did not. <laughs> Actually, although he is quite creative. He, he probably, is quite yeah. creative, yeah. So he made up quotations. So people were objecting to how their name was appeared in The Times. Um so then he went to work for a, another newspaper, The Telegraph, and they sent him to the European Union to be their EU reporter. Again, very colourful. And I've got to say, the guy is creative, great turn of phrase, and he picked on all these irregularities. Well, not irregularities, just that the EU is full of bureaucrats who want to come up with all sorts of weird formulas regulating the shape of a carrot or <laughs> the contents of a sausage. So... So it's good fodder. Yeah, they gave him heaps of material, which he then embellished when they appeared in the Telegraph. And so he, then he also became editor of a, of a magazine, a political magazine in Great Britain. And his aspiration, of course, was still to become Prime Minister. So he's really making a name for himself in all these various positions, one way or another. Tries his hand at an MP, was there for a while. Then he became Lord Mayor of London, which was a real achievement. London is a Labour constituency. And he, he was able to win. So the guy has got some character about him, you know, he, he, and he, he is exciting to, to be with. He's like an overgrown 17-year-old, really, full of energy, vivacity. The room lights up when he enters. Mm. Amber Rudd has this lovely expression that her, her description of him is that he is the life and soul of the party, but you wouldn't trust him to drive you home afterwards. Oh, God, no. <laughs> so, so that's the key characteristic of, of Boris. Very interesting as Lord Mayor. Then he became... And he one, did have a couple episodes as Lord he, Mayor that really put him on the world stage absolutely, as well. Absolutely, at the time of the Olympics. So he was the Lord Mayor. And so, again, you know, this global reputation, his hijinks, and in a sense it's a bit like Bronwyn Bishop, who was, from my point of view, ideal for various activities because she was always willing to give something a go. You've got some politicians who will stand on their dignity and say, I will never do that. I remember on one occasion we had a charity raffle here in Sydney and um, she ended up winning the prize to ride on the back of a motorcycle um, 
uh, one of Hell's Angels' more charitable members, gave her a ride on the back of a motorcycle. So she just hitched up her skirt and gets on the back of the motorcycle. She was fantastic. You know, it's Bronwyn Bishop, mm. uh, now out of politics, but a very interesting person. And, and Boris is in that same category. Remember he went on that zip line and got trapped? <laughs> <laughs> How could the world the forget? Then, he, then there was a game of of, um, of football or rugby or whatever with a, with a group of children, and he and one of the children tripped him over, or he tripped over one of the children. You know, the the guy, from a media point of view, is fascinating and and um, captivating. So here he is, determined, obviously, to become prime minister, and then the um, referendum crisis presents him with the opportunity. Now, I've got to say just a bit about Brexit. Trying to make sense. Oh, totally. Do you know what, though? Let's have a quick break and we'll come back and talk about that afterwards because that's going to require some concentration. You're listening to Global Truths with Dr Keith Souter. In this episode, we're talking about who the new Prime Minister of the UK really is. I mean, everyone knows something about yeah. Boris Johnson. Everyone, I mean, that that hair, just like Donald Trump, same, really, yep. in many ways, same sort of image. He's a big personality, you know, from a very colourful family as well. Uh, but, Keith, we're going to be talking about what he's going to do for Brexit, which is yep. what you're about to go into. Absolutely. So Brexit was a minor political issue that David Cameron allowed to become a constitutional crisis. So although people are critical of Theresa May, you've got to bear in mind she inherited a bad problem. David Cameron, who was a contemporary of Boris at Oxford, so this is a rivalry that goes back decades, again, another product of Eton and Oxford, different colleges. So David Cameron was presented with a problem about people wanting to withdraw from the European Union. It was an irritant. It was not a major issue. He, as Prime Minister between 2010-2015 said, look, at the 2015 general election, if I win it, I will have a, a referendum on whether or not we stay. Now, the British don't do referenda, right? The last referendum in Great Britain was one relating to whether or not Britain should remain within the European Union back in the 1970s. Now, other countries love referenda. The British don't do it. But David Cameron, very stupidly, without thinking through what he was actually promising, I think in the back of his mind, from 2010, when he scored a a victory over Labor, to 2015, he had been in coalition with the Liberal Democrats, a really weird. So here you have the Conservative Party linking up with a very left-wing party to keep Labor out of office. So he obviously figured that in 2015, if he won the general election, he would therefore have to govern in coalition with the Liberal Democrats who would block him from implementing that promise. In 2015, he scored a remarkable victory. The Liberal Democrats were punished by their supporters for having five years in coalition with the Conservative government. So David Cameron gets this huge majority... And suddenly, the handful of awkward MPs, the European Research Group, as they're called, said to him, well, you promised a referendum. You've got to go ahead and have a referendum. And Cameron thought, all right, we'll have the referendum. No real thought given to what could happen. And the British, being asked to take part in the referendum, actually took an interest in politics. And so they they voted in the referendum. They voted by a narrow majority, majority to leave. Now, that was another mistake. He should have set the figure at 60% or 75%. 
<clears throat> so it had been very clear. But instead they set it at 50% and the leave camp just fell over into the 50s. That, that was a very low bar to have set. Anyway, Cameron says, right, well, I don't approve of what you've done in that referendum. I'm resigning. Walked out of number 10 Downing Street, walked out of politics and, to his credit, has not got involved in anything, unlike mm. in Australia where politicians hang around mm. and make life difficult. So Boris Johnson then had a challenge as to where he would be on that referendum issue. Was he in favour of leaving or remaining? He made the decision in the referendum campaign to be in favour of leaving the European Union, Brexiting, British exit from the European Union. So he was a Brexit supporter. He actually wrote two articles for his magazine putting a case for and and an equally good case against. But he did a bit of political calculation. He obviously took the view that if David Cameron won that referendum, he would remain in office and therefore Boris Johnson would just be an also-ran for David Cameron. On the other hand... If David Cameron lost the Brexit referendum and if Boris Johnson had been in favour of leaving the European Union, then he would use that as an opportunity to boost his profile, to challenge his former university friend, David Cameron. And that's what he did. That's why I think he ended up um, supporting Brexit, even though the rest of his family are all in favour of remaining. It's an interesting family. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so, so he's, he's written to power on the back of Brexit. Then David Cameron, as he expected, resigned. What he didn't expect was that Theresa May would be selected as a party leader. And the reason for that sudden decision, because she didn't expect to become party leader, but the reason she became party leader is that there was a bit of backstabbing and one of Boris's own friends stabbed him in the back and prevented him from becoming the leader. So the way was left open for Theresa May. There were two women in the last round of voting, and in the end, one just dropped out. So Theresa May fell into that opportunity. And so she then became party leader, and Boris Johnson has then spent three years undermining her because he was determined then to become Prime Minister, and that is what he has now achieved. So that explains, I think, you know, his unusual behaviour, that he is a European, he's got a European background, his family are all European people of one sort or another, and yet he figured for his own political advancement he should be in favour of Brexit because that'll be his vehicle to achieving power. He didn't get it three years ago, but he's now he's got it. Very, very strategic. But also I often wonder about how it sits with these guys morally down the track because that's not what they truly believe. Look, we're talking about politicians. <laughs> oh, look, Kate, you are, it's such a pleasure talking to you, Kate, because you're such an idealist. Boris Johnson is a sleaze, right? He has no moral compass. He married the most beautiful Oxford graduate of her year and he betrayed her. In fact, it's very difficult to work out exactly how many children he does have. But unlike Trump, there are no allegations of sexual assault. Women fall over themselves to end up being with Boris Johnson. Because he's so charismatic. So charismatic. Perhaps it's this ruffled, boyish approach, you know, that appeals to maternal instincts in women. I don't know what it is. So are his affairs on the record? Oh, yeah. And probably a lot that hasn't been talked about very much because until recently the British never talked about private lives of politicians. But now it's it's inescapable. And so he has a string of these, uh, as I say, children from different women and all the rest of it. 
He's a, he's a real ladies' man, but unlike Trump, no allegations of sexual assault. But also a family, yeah, which is important, by the way, to yeah. note. And you don't really care about about this particular fact, but I was reading online the other day that his sister and brother, and it must be the MP sister, have appeared in both reality TV shows as well. <laughs> so one was in um, I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, and the other one was in Big Brother right. in the UK. yeah. So you wouldn't be, no, you wouldn't be familiar with that, would you? I would not. (laughs) (laughs) But But it shows the the sort of competition he would have had as a sibling, you know, that the the brothers and sisters are equally competitive, Mm. equally successful. And the father was also, still is, quite well known in European circles as well. So it's a super talented family. And so Boris had to work hard to come out as number one in that family. I think uh, having him as Prime Minister will be great news for the media. We will love him. After three years of a boring Prime Minister who did her best, this is the daughter of a Church of England vicar, Uh, she was once asked, um, what is the the most risky thing you've ever done? And she said, I ran through a field of corn. Now, if she'd run, if she said, I've run through a field of corn naked, we would have obviously been interested. But her most risky thing that she's ever done as a youngster was simply to run through a field of corn wearing her clothes. You know, that, that gives you an indication of what she thinks is risky behaviour. So she's been very conservative, failed to deliver the goods on Brexit. In fact, she voted against leaving the European Union. They now have somebody who is the most obvious champion in favour of leaving, and we have to see if he's going to do any better at trying to solve this problem. Comprehensive, who is Boris Johnson? Thank you, Keith. Thank you. This has been Global Truths with Dr Keith Souter. It's recorded in the studios of Podcast One. Producer is me, Kate Mack. Production assistance by Matt Dwyer. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. And for more episodes, head to podcastoneaustralia.com.au or download the Podcast One Australia app. 